This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. It is almost the end of November. A day away from November 30th. It's almost December. Is anybody panicking yet? Is everybody excited? Jesperson here with John Hicks, the technical producer of the I show. Yeah, I'm excited. You're excited? What are you excited about, buddy? Oh, just the holly jolly feeling <laughs> of the season, you know? I know what you're excited about. <laughs> What's you're, that? You're excited about the second installment of <laughs> about of the John Hicks holiday movie review presented exclusively today, on Real yeah. Talk. You do have one today? I do. Should today. we get to it a little we should probably get to it a little bit later on yeah, in the show? We'll because we will sink our teeth into the the real meat of the of the uh, that's kind of a that's kind of an asshole thing to say to a guy who lives a plant based <laughs> lifestyle. <laughs> we'll sink our teeth into the substance, yeah. the real substance out of the gates today. I'm, I'm not even going to hide the fact that I'm very excited. Mm. Uh, that I would say uh, I, I don't know her personally, so I can't call her a mentor. But let me say I have a huge amount of respect for Anna Maria Termonti, who's going to be joining us. Signing uh, in right a, now, a, a two time Gemini award winning journalist, uh, a longtime host on the CBC. Uh, a master storyteller. She's going to be joining us in just a couple of minutes ahead of a, uh, a keynote that she's going to be delivering uh, at the Rose Breakfast, which is presented by the YWCA. It began in response to the Montreal massacre. This is serious business. Anna Maria has been doing a lot of work, um, and, and her personal story is woven into this as well, discovering and determining the roots of violence, in particular, intimate partner violence and violence against women. Uh, a, a very, uh, obviously, important conversation to have, and, and we're very much looking forward to welcoming her to the show. Stephen Gillen is going to join us in about a half hour's time, once described as as one of the most notorious and dangerous criminals in the United Kingdom, uh, a reformed mobster, essentially, and he's got a new book out. Uh, he's going to talk to us about his history as a uh, what we would describe in Canada as a young offender. Stephen was, was jailed when he was like 14 years old in the UK and uh, has turned his life around. He's, as a matter of fact, has, has recently been nominated uh, for a Peace Prize, and uh, it's a story of... of uh, reformation and and a story of reinvention and, and a really powerful one so it's going to be a great show today we're also of course keeping an eye on some of the stories that that have resonated and that are making news a little bit closer to home in our neck of the woods in our home province of alberta a, a a somewhat significant development, you might call it, yesterday with Alberta's Premier Danielle Smith, who is who has indicated, she told reporters yesterday, she told Albertans yesterday that, that uh, in the upcoming legislative session, her government will not be pursuing uh, tweaks or changes to human rights legislation for those that uh, remain unvaccinated by choice. This was a, a big part of uh, her campaign as, uh, you know, the race to become United Conservative Party leader. You'll remember this was a big thing that she announced she 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 talked to us about it here in this studio her uh, just hours after that interview in this studio you'll remember uh, now Premier Smith saying that, that, that there was no group that she could remember in her lifetime that had been more discriminated against than the unvaccinated of course raising the ire of people and and, and that led to conversations you'll remember we said I was thinking at the time if you're going to say something like that why can't you say it on real talk yeah. you know, we could use the million views give, on us the, the give us the clips but but she said that uh, just hours after swearing and it led to a bit of a bumpy road well she said yesterday uh telling reporters that that would not be uh on on, on their their initial list or the immediate list of, of action that this government would intend to take uh, and, she, and there was some interesting wording around it uh, premier smith saying uh, we're going to focus on the top priorities of our caucus 
And so, of course, people, the pundits included, immediately start to read into that to say, are the, are the top priorities of the premier not the top priorities of the caucus? In other words, does the, do, 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 do the representatives, the MLAs across the province, the elected representatives, not share that as a top priority? Here's what some of the buzz was online. Of course, as the premier went on to, to suggest that, that that didn't mean that she was walking away from this. Jason Markusov, who, who's covered the Alberta legislature and Alberta politics for a long time, uh, formerly of McLean's, now of the CBC, says Premier Smith seems to have lost all her appetite to make it a human right to refuse vaccinations. Now calls it a slapdash measure she didn't want to rush into. Assesses Jason calling this a pivot maybe understating it uh, we, we phrased it in our tweet this morning from our official account at, at real talk rj letting you know what was coming up on the show is this a flip-flop you can let us know what you think the, the premier would insist no here's what another had to say this is opposition mla shannon phillips of former minister of environment and parks you remember her the mla out of lethbridge uh, she wonders is it even is it even legal for a government to withhold funding to an organization that otherwise qualifies based on their OHS or occupational health and safety policies. Does this put government in breach of grant agreements? Serious question, wonders MLA Phillips. What's she referring to? She's referring to the fact that the, the premier divulged yesterday that, that she and senior ministers in her government have been calling organizations, agencies, groups uh, that are putting on uh, events. We could talk about th things like uh, music festivals would be an example. Sporting events would be an example. For example, uh, big high profile, you know, the Arctic Winter Games as an example. Uh, even filmmakers, the film industry, the film and television industry, reportedly the premier uh, divulged yesterday that she has personally been making phone calls to these groups that that would insist on vaccine mandates as part of their operations protocol, encouraging them uh, to pursue alternative policies. Well, what are people saying about that? Uh, as, as you might imagine, Gil McGowan, president of the Alberta Federation of, of Labor, not a big fan of this, uh, tweets Gil yesterday. Uh, this is outrageous, he says, quote, the premier is bullying employers and community and sporting groups to drop vaccine mandates against their will. Uh, says McGowan, the film and TV industry is the gold standard for workplace COVID safety. We will be encouraging them to not be swayed by what he describes as Smith's bully tactics. So this is a developing story. This is an interesting development. As, as the premier says that it will not be a legislation that her government will pursue. However, it's obviously a priority of hers. Uh, the premier calling organizations, the premier calling organizers of big events is is a pretty big deal. And uh, you can read about it as well. We got to get Rick Bell back on the show. Rick Bell, uh, the Calgary Sun, the longtime scribe, uh, uh, your scribe, your correspondent, Rick Bell, uh, has been on the show before, just absolutely came in guns blazing. It was a, a highly entertaining interview, writes about this and, and, and tells the unvaccinated in the province of Alberta in his Calgary Sun column today, quote, you are still very much in the premier's heart. He says, though, there's been precious little talk of COVID coming from Smith HQ in recent days. He does note the, the, the heave-ho of Dr. Dina Hinshaw, former uh, Chief Medical Officer of Health in Alberta, the firing of the Alberta Health Services Board. He says the, the Sovereignty Act, he says, will we'll have Ottawa quake in their loafers. That remains to be seen. Uh, he says, however, though, this initiative from the Premier, not dead, not by a long shot, writes Rick Bell. Your scribbler is told the Smith government will look at laws around the pandemic to see where the rights 
should have been better protected of the unvaccinated to make sure it doesn't happen again. Now, looking at laws is is a big step back from promising to change the laws. So, so what changed here? What influenced the premier's top priorities? What might be the dynamic behind closed doors uh, for MLAs in particular, those caucus members that, of course, will be looking to this fall session as, as a way to communicate to you, the electorate, what their top priorities are. This is a campaign make no mistake a full-blown campaign this is the government under a new leader under a new premier uh, looking four and a half million albertans in the eyes and saying these are our top priorities this is what government looks like under this new premier and of course same goes with the official opposition under rachel notley who wants to be premier again and they're going to be rattling their sabers and they're going to be uh, as best they can in opposition it's it's harder because you, you you can only make promises you can only make a response you can only paint a picture you can't splash the cash so to speak you can't uh, announce a bunch of funding you can't actually change the laws you have to talk about what you would do if you were in government Uh, it's a little bit harder to get people's attention that way but it's also a lot easier to oppose than govern right so over the next number of months leading into may we're going to see exactly what those two parties would do if they were to form government uh, post next provincial election is this a flip-flop Is this a premier recognizing that perhaps the top priorities that resonated with her base, with her grassroots, with the with the the number and the amount of voters that she needed to to win that leadership race? Is that her acknowledging that that's maybe not the priorities that are shared with with the general public? What do you read into this? You can let us know to talk at ryanjesperson.com. We always love to get to the emails that we receive. Uh, Before we get to Anna Maria Tremonti, I wanted to read this one from Ron, who chimed in yesterday after we talked to uh, both, uh, I mean, both of our guests yesterday. We we talked to the Honorable Randy Boisneau, the Minister of Tourism, Federal Minister, and we talked to Charles Adler, the titan of talk. Uh, Both of them asked them to stack up or contrast or compare what we saw, the pushback, the Freedom Convoy, the Ottawa occupation here in Canada, and what's happening in China right now, these anti-lockdown protests. We had some of you real talkers, uh, I think in earnest, tweeting at us, asking us for to stack up the two, to compare the two, and to have that conversation. And Ron, following listening to yesterday's show, Ron, we sure appreciate it, said, you know, the, these comparisons between the, the Chinese anti-lockdown protests and the Freedom Convoy, he says, a bit unfair. He says, well, well both, yeah, sure, are about COVID. They're not even on the, the same planet let alone the same footing, says Ron. The Freedom Convoy fueled by a ton of misinformation, an election result, which was legal, binding, completely clear, supposed, quote, God-given freedoms being trampled on, and just to be quite frank, says Ron, a ton of whining about COVID mitigation measures. The Chinese protests sparked after 10 people died in an apartment fire in Xinjiang province. Fire crews couldn't properly reach the apartment. You know, there was this fire that was swallowing up an entire building due to barriers erected to keep people in during a COVID lockdown. Ron says this was widely seen as the last straw that brought all the angst and anger and outrage to the forefront after two years of a zero COVID policy. Ron says our COVID restrictions in Canada or any non-authoritarian state never kept anybody from leaving their apartment. This is what Adler said yesterday, too. Ron says it certainly didn't lead to fire crews or first responders uh, preventing them from responding to emergencies. Uh, Ron says, I felt I felt the important need to clarify this. Please don't compare the two. Uh, the implication of even entertaining a comparison is that we are some sort of authoritarian state where the individual is unimportant and that simply is not the case that from ron who finds his email john automatically entered into the email of the month consideration 
We'll be yes. awarding that tomorrow Beautiful. on November 30th. Somebody's going to get themselves a Real Talk mug. Uh, we're always curious to know how these stories are landing with you and, and what you think of what you've written in. Uh, wanted to let Carolyn know we did just receive your email about the Danny Bucks, about Premier Smith's promise, $600 per child under 18 years of age to Alberta families. The only thing is, Carolyn, we can't read it today because as far as we're concerned, I think if you impose a little tone, if you put a little oomph into your words, it's a perfect submission for Trash Talk. So you can listen <laughs> to your email. That's going to be coming up on Friday. Trash Talk is always presented by our friends at Local Environmental Services. where You can check them out today, uh, right now. If, if you are listening in from Alberta or Saskatchewan, you know, Local Environmental Services is uh, a business that's been operating family-owned for a quarter century. Unbelievable. It's about more than just garbage or recycling to them. It's about community. Some people say that it's only garbage, but not to them. They believe communities deserve better. And so that means oh, whether it's a, a, a standalone event they're doing fencing or portable toilets for, whether that's a long-term relationship with the big bins outside malls, restaurants, retail locations, they're going to ensure that doing business with them is different. You understand what it means to do business with a family-owned company. That's what they celebrate every day at Local Environmental Services. Our friends at McBain Camera want you to know that if you're looking for that perfect gift right now, you're looking to reward that special somebody with something that's going to knock their socks off, Black Friday deals continue for Cyber Monday today at McBain with a full slate of incredible deals from Canon. And we also have the Nikon cameras available and these are an opportunity to save up to $600 right now on Nikon cameras and lenses this week during McBain's Black Friday sale. Save $500. That's a big deal. $500 $500 off of this SLR. Huge. You don't oftentimes see deals like this on, on, on the, the industry leaders like this one, but you have a chance to save $500 on the Nikon Z7 II, the, the 24 to 70 millimeter kit. That's a great lens, the 24 to 70. Gives you the nice, not quite the fisheye jaw, but the nice wide angle. And then yeah. 70, perfect framing there, plus a free FTZ2 lens mount adapter. You can also save 300 bucks on the Nikon Z6 II body. Get a free backpack, a free spare battery, plus 128 gig memory card. That's a lot of photos. And you can save 50 bucks on the great content creator. That's the Nikon Z30, that 16 to 50 millimeter lens. That's one of my favorites. You can get a free Nikon camera bag. You'll find all the details today at McBainCamera.com. Our lead-off guest this morning uh, is a legend. When it comes to storytelling in Canada, you know her as as a journalist, a broadcaster, a podcaster, a former CTV uh, television reporter, former host of The Current, of course, uh, and she's the host of uh, Welcome to Paradise, a podcast that deserves your subscription, which explores the long tale of intimate partner violence. Uh, She's about to deliver a keynote at the Rose Breakfast campaign, and we're going to learn more about that. What a pleasure and an honor to welcome to the program Anna Maria Tremonti a two-time Gemini award winner welcome to Real Talk and thanks for making time for us hi Ryan thanks for having me uh, this is this is kind of kind of a cool journey for you I mean you you've uh, achieved obviously a longtime national prominence on on the the so-called mainstream media platforms and and now you're uh, you, you've ventured into the world of podcasts how, how has that journey been for you and what feels different about hosting podcasts uh, well, first of all, there's no daily deadline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, I, I wanted to try something different where you can take a story and 
tell it in a serialized way. And that's what I did with Welcome to Paradise. So it was a real deliberate thing that I wanted to try to move into that. I've been eyeing that podcast space from my seat at The Current for a while, because, you know, as you know, there's a lot of overlap in broadcasting and podcasting. But um, it was it was something that I wanted to try and I'm not done yet. I've got some more ideas percolating, um, but I like it. You've uh, you've been reporting on and, and, and digging into stories of, of, of domestic violence and intimate partner violence for a long time. And you've, you've been talking or, or at least investigating how uh, these, these roots develop. We talked about mass violence as well. I mean, you know, and, and there, are, there are examples perhaps in, in Canada. We don't need to stack them up nor compare. But the Montreal Massacre, obviously, uh, 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 I think are an annual reminder uh, in this country of what happens uh, when, when perhaps threats are not taken seriously, when, when misogyny fuels violence. Um, it, it's a day, uh, that annual reminder where an entire nation takes pause. Uh, what, what, what was the root of, of, of your work or your investigation into intimate partner and, and domestic violence? Why was this so, or why has this been so important to you? You know, um, for a long time, I thought it was because I cared about the issue. And of course I do, but I didn't make the connections so clearly that it was because of my own experience with intimate partner violence and um, a decision that I wouldn't talk about it in like publicly in the news or anything, but I would try to cover other people who like I would use what happened to me in order to understand better how to cover that issue and uh, talk to people who were survivors of that kind of violence. And, um, you know, at some point I felt, you know, I, I would say, oh, that makes me more empathetic. I don't have to talk about myself because how would I do that anyway? How would I interject when someone was telling me their story? But at some point it started to feel like a bit of a lie because I never interjected or I never pointed out that I too had been through something like that, which is why I did the podcast. But, but, you know, it's also interesting just in how we in the news media have covered this story over mm. time, right? And Montreal Massacre is really like a, a a marker for me. What do you remember about, like, if I can ask you to, to go back, like, you know, to, to 1989, to, to early December, December 6th in particular of, of 1989, what do you remember about about that day and, and in particular how it was being covered and, and how journalists approached it then, um, how they were or were not equipped to have those conversations then and, and maybe what's changed to present day? Well, it, it's really interesting because I was in the Parliament Hill Bureau of CBC Ottawa at the time. And I remember that evening, it was like late afternoon, early evening when this happened. And we in the Bureau were all stunned, you know, and a few people went to Montreal if my memory serves because they needed to help because it was such a huge story. And so many more of us stayed in the bureau that night and worked and covered the political fallout. As you know, there was a lot of political fallout. Um, and the next day, I mean, it was a terrible story. The pictures coming out of there were awful. Um, the next day, every single female colleague in the CBC Parliament Hill Bureau walked in and said, that was an act of violence against women. And every man in that bureau, including all the famous guys in 1989 who were in that bureau with us, said, no, it wasn't. It was an act of violence. And women were killed. And oh, my God, it was terrible. But it wasn't an act of violence against women. And right there, you see the difference in how it was covered back then and why it mattered to have women in that newsroom who said, uh-uh, no, this is an act of violence against women. And we know that. He separated the men from the women. He he said what he thought of feminists, 
but he actually separated them in the classroom and shot the women. And um, he had a list of other women who were feminists, so-called, that he was also going to kill. And even with that obvious evidence, my colleagues, my male colleagues that next day said, no, that was not an act of violence against women. Why, what, what do you and, think, Anna-Marie, like in, in, in reflecting on that from, from 1989 to now, why do you think that there was that insistence? Why do you think that there was that flag planted by male colleagues at the time? I think they didn't understand. And, you know, I, I never talked about that publicly either until I did an interview with Naomi Klein, for whom, you know, that day made her, she said, a feminist when she looked at what happened. I didn't want to slag the guys I worked with, you know, but it was just so key to my understanding of how the men didn't see certain things that were right in front of their faces. Mm. And I think a lot of that's changed. But, you know, we still see headlines, Ryan, that say things like crime of passion. He just snapped. We know that that victims of intimate partner violence, people who are murdered in intimate partner violence, they don't just snap. The, the perpetrator doesn't just snap. They planned it. They've been doing stuff to them all along, and this time they killed them. And we still have that language, you know, and, and it's taking a long time to get rid of it, frankly. Uh, in, in your podcast uh, series, Welcome to Paradise, you, you, you address, like, uh, how do I put it, like, almost like walking away from shame, like, like a personal journey. Can, can you touch on that? I, I, I never take it for granted. I never want it to be lost on us that, that in an interview like this, there's going to be somebody that hears this. There's going to be somebody walking their dog or, or during their afternoon commute or whatever that's going to hear this interview and they're going to feel right now like you are speaking directly to them. Uh, can you comment on that, on the shame factor? Yeah, because, you know, um, I, I was very ashamed of what happened to me. My then husband told me it was my fault and I absorbed that. And I was ashamed. I hid that he was beating me. I didn't talk about it when I got out of it. I never talked about it in great detail until this podcast. But um, and then I discovered in the course of doing the podcast that I still carried some shame all those years later, even when I thought I got rid of it. And the thing about shame is that we all carry it um, from, you know, for some people, it's because of this violence. For other people, it's because of something else. And it affects the way we see ourselves. It affects the way we move in the world and we hide it. And, I, the, you know, I managed to get rid of it in a very profound way in doing this podcast in a way that I didn't expect. And when I put that out there, I have received hundreds of letters from other people who have talked about their own shame and the shame they carry because of the violence that was done to them too. And it's, you know, we just, I can't underline enough that the shame is never ours to carry. The shame belongs to the person who did that to you. And, and if the, you know, if you can find a way to let it go and talk about it to people who care about you, so that you can work your way through that and let it go. But I, I was stunned by how many people have written to me to say they too had that shame that they carried. Hmm. Uh, the, uh, I mean, in, in, through the course of your career, you've obviously, you've, you've spoken with newsmakers, you've, you've, you've spoken with uh, activists and organizers and, and, and people whose, whose personal stories represent bigger pictures of, of societal ills and challenges and, and obviously horrific realities like this, what we're talking about now. You've also spoken to government leaders and elected officials and corporate leaders. And how, how would you assess uh, right now society's ability to understand some of the, some of the root causes of violence and and most importantly probably respond to them do you feel like we're on the right track do you feel like the conversations are focused enough 
I think we are still getting there. I think that there's a lot going on um, that makes people talk about it more, um, that makes people realize they don't have to be ashamed and can share their stories. And by doing that, we understand how it is all around us. I think, you know, it's interesting. We're still making the connection. To, people still think this is between two people, right? Um, and And it doesn't have to do with a wider society. And yet we know that in too many instances, that um, mass murders often begin with an act of domestic violence. Portapique, Nova Scotia, you know, 22 people killed yeah. by him that night into the next day, but it began with an assault on his partner. Mm. Uvalde, uh, Texas, began with him shooting his grandmother, and then he went to the school and shot those kids. There is a line you can draw, and we need to draw that line more often to make people understand it's not between two people, it's a societal problem. And it does affect people outside of, of that, of those two people as well. I'm thinking of James Smith Cree Nation right now in Saskatchewan as well, the, the prime minister preparing to visit there. And that, that's exactly where the violence started there as well, in the home. It's another absolutely, example. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and you know, we see this continue to happen. And it's almost like if you if you hear something, the first thing we should do as journalists, and to the credit of, of some who have gone back and found those things, the first thing we should do as journalists is go back. Who's that person with? Mm. What did they do to them? Right. Like, is there a connection? Sometimes there is not, but very often there is. And we need to look at that and we need to spell it out so that it's not something that we think belongs in a silo. Anna Maria Tremonti will be uh, delivering the keynote uh, coming up on, on this Friday, December 2nd, uh, at the YWCA Edmonton's Rose Campaign Breakfast. You can learn more about it at the y, at, at, pardon me, YWCAofEdmonton.org. Your, your career has included a stop in Edmonton, hasn't it? Is this like, absolutely. Do I call absolutely. it? It's not a homecoming, but it's a return. Yeah. You know, I used to live in Spunk Hollow in Edmonton. I, I started at <laughs> television at CBC television in, yeah. in Edmonton. Um, uh, you know, I've long um, that political coverage, as you know, I was listening to you before we started talking. Political coverage in Alberta is always fascinating. You live in interesting times, Ryan, oh as do the rest of us. Yeah, we've, we've never uh, it's it's sort of like take your pick. I and mean, we could do, you know, with this show, we oftentimes, you, you know, you could you could chime in on this. I'm sure the editorial process of putting something together. We've got a, a strong, uh, obviously engaged audience in the province of Alberta, but also people that, that uh, tune in from outside. And, and I figure that we could do 75 minutes every day just on Alberta politics. And we still wouldn't have enough time, Anna Maria. There's a lot going on right now. Yeah, it's going to be a real horse race uh, he heading into th this election coming up that we're expecting in, in May. There's a, there's a lot to talk about. Sure appreciate you making time for a safe journey to the capital city. I know that our friends at, at the YWC are very keen uh, to hear what you have to say to, to what I know is going to be a packed house. They're hoping to raise $200,000 for YWCA Edmonton Violence Prevention and Recovery Programs. Uh, Anna Maria Tremonti, thanks for making time for us. It's great to talk to you. Thanks so much, Ryan. Great to talk to you. You got it. Stephen Gillen coming up in just a moment. You can follow Anna Maria on Twitter. Of course, we link to all of our guests that have Twitter handles uh, every morning from our official account at Real Talk RJ. She's at AM Tremonti on Twitter, and you, and you can check out the work that she's doing. As mentioned, uh, her podcast, uh, certainly worth checking out. Welcome to paradise this conversation was presented by our friends at kubi energy they want to remind you that at kubienergy.ca your chance to get a free solar quote today it doesn't matter whether or not you're ready to pull the trigger on getting that solar installed you want to know 
what it might look like. Check out your free appraisal today online. You can also check out their products and services and the blog, which is a great resource, including a featured article on that $40,000 interest-free loan available from the feds right now. You can take 10 years to pay it back. You don't have to take all 40 grand. Whatever it's going to cost to get solar on your roof, this is probably the best opportunity in a number of years to make that happen right now. Get the ball rolling with our friends at Kubi Energy. Now, once you got your solar installed, then you're going to want to make sure you head over to parkpower.ca as well. Why? Because nobody pays you more when it comes to buying back the excess power that your solar panels are producing. That's right. Park Power has a great initiative for their customers. They're going to give you more than the big guys do, than all those big competitors, the ones that aren't family-owned, the ones that aren't the friendly local utilities providers. Park Power wants to earn your business, and they do that by presenting rates that, quite frankly, are going to save you money. That's what everybody cares about these days with the cost of living exploding. Why not take your business on electricity, natural gas, and internet to Park Power? The promo code Real 2022-REALTALK knocks $70 off your first bill. We also love the tips. Did you see Park Power's tweet yesterday talking I about did, yeah. space heaters mm-hmm. into the uh, power bars or extension cords? Yeah. This is just real-life stuff that could quite frankly prevent a house fire we tweeted about it i retweeted their note i said this is another great tip from park power we had a real talker mm-hmm. send us a photo back they managed at the last minute to stop what would have been a house fire in their neck of the woods never put those into power bars it's... no they got to go directly into the wall this yeah. is just another great tip from park power give mm-hmm. them a follow on social media and we along with the entire friesen brothers family uh, mourn the loss of founder Frank Loveson, who passed surrounded by family on November 20th. You can read a wonderful tribute to this business legend online at Friesen.com. If you're watching this on YouTube, that's a photo right there. He's a personal friend of mine, and I will never forget the wonderful conversations that we shared. This is a guy that cares deeply about family and that is a legend in the Alberta business community in loving memory of Frank Leo Loveson. You can read about his career and, of course, his long-standing traditions that formed the foundation of this unbelievable business online at Friesen.com. Our next guest uh, has been regarded, or at least through a greater part of his life, as uh, one of the most dangerous uh, criminals in the United Kingdom. Uh, He was labeled a a Category A prisoner in the UK, which describes someone who is highly dangerous, must be watched at all times, and was contained. As a matter of fact, he did not mingle with the general prison population. Now, reformed, an author, a motivational speaker, and a nominee for a Peace Prize. He's got a brand new book out, which we're going to talk about, and it's a real pleasure to welcome to the show, Stephen Gillen. Welcome to Real Talk, and thank you for making time for us. Hi, hi, Ryan. Uh, thanks for having me. This is uh, your story, a remarkable one, b- because it starts with, with you as a young man, right? You grew up in Belfast, as I understand it, moved moved to England when you're about uh, nine years of age, and, and soon found yourself involved in, in petty crimes that obviously led to to an early incarceration. Where, where did it all start for you, Stephen? Well, I mean, I, I was born here, as you rightly said there, Ryan. I went over to Belfast as a, uh, as a baby, right in the middle of the war zone there. So I've seen a lot of bad things over there, but I come over here when I was nine. I moved to London, the East End. So, you know, I uh, I was groomed for that life, but I 
you know, I migrated from uh, petty crime to organized crime, as to be said, very, very quickly in my younger days. What was it like as a young man growing up in, in Belfast at that time? Obviously, uh, that, that, that part of the world has, has seen a, a, a great degree of conflict. Uh, was, that, was that something that was apparent to you as a young man? Do you think that that was something that obviously steered the direction your life was taking at that time? The first thing I have to say is Irish people are wonderful people. They really are. You know, at a magical time as a as a young child. But this was in stark contrast to the, you know, the bombings, the shootings. I mean, I see someone uh, uh, shot and lose his life and die in front of me, calling for his mother when I was seven years of age. So this kind of stuff, it's, you know, it darkened the world for me. What was your turning point like you you're you're in prison you're doing time is as i understand it you you is it true that you shared a cell by the way with with notorious prisoner charles bronson is that right well i didn't actually share a cell but i may as well have done ryan mm. because we was really treated as the same kind of high security kind of prisoners with the uh the treatment that we had so we was in a lot of units with me in a lot of segregation units next door and very very close to me at times. So what was your turning point or your tipping point? I mean, what, what was it where, you, where you, you figured that you saw something in yourself that could be reformed? You could reinvent yourself, so to speak. Well, I've seen through that life uh, for a long time, Ryan. Of course, you need the circumstances, the, the strength, the timing, even the intervention to get out of it. So, you know, I'd done that. And, you know, I come to the stage where I couldn't hurt people no more. I felt so bad about myself. I knew, I knew there was more, yeah, you know, and I needed to be more, you know, and I needed to, uh, I needed to really change the trajectory of where I was going. For you, uh, your, your prison experience, you've been very candid about this and, and, and there's, a, there's a movie coming out as well, as I understand it about, about your life, uh, based on one of your previous books. Um, but, but you've described some of, some of the horrors, uh, some of the, the grim realities of, of prison life, uh, including, uh, I think perhaps you, you describe being, being placed into confinement or confined areas with, with other prisoners with whom you were feuding i mean almost like a like a cockfighting type scenario is what it what it, what it sounded like uh, do you think that the average person can even wrap their mind around what life in prison's like i mean with with regards to describing how remarkable it is for someone to turn their life around how big of a journey is that and how can the average citizen understand it i think it's very hard for people to understand the the depth of what the human soul is really taken to in prison, Ryan. And I'm glad that they don't. I really do, you know. I call it the seven levels of hell. And um, it, it's it's about as dark a place as, as the human soul, you know, can be. Um, but it is about uh, what we become, you know, and elevate in uh, our lives. It is about the light, you know. So I'm very happy to say that um, uh, there is transformation if you really want it, no matter how dark a place we can find ourselves in. What sort of psychological methods did you use or what approach did you take to, well, to quite frankly, survive life in prison? And, and do you apply any of those same principles or, or learnings outside? It's a desperate place to be, and it's very hard to tell people how you would circumvent that. I'm sure it's uh, different for a lot of people. I started my writing journey there. I I used to train a lot to try and, but this is a desperate place. Um, you know, it has to be said. But the other part of it, of course, is adversity 
forges us, Ryan. It really does. Your first book uh, being turned into a film, as mentioned, uh, what's that process been like? I mean, how involved are you in, in a process like that? I'm very involved. I mean, obviously, it's my story. We've tried to keep as much as a, a creative control as we can. I'm a CEO of Raw Media Creative, which is a you know a media company anyway. So you know, I'm lucky enough to know the industry, which has really really helped us on this journey. It's immense work, and um, yeah, it's it's um, uh, it's a pathless really i suppose when when they're talking about you in the third person mm. but it's an amazing journey you know and i'm forever grateful to the amazing people around me and in my life as we as we shape this thing i mentioned it in the introduction uh in 2019 just a few years ago you were nominated for the sunak peace prize where were you when you found out about that nomination and and what did it mean to a guy that had once been characterized as one of the most notorious mobsters in the UK. That's a great story. I was in a flat with Daphne, my partner in Windsor, and they chased me for three days to get the nominations in. Of course, there's only a thousand people in the world who can nominate someone for that, you know, and there's a million pound for, for the two winners. Presidents have won it, so it was an unbelievable privilege even to be even to be nominated. But it's very weird, Ryan, because for many years I felt unworthy of so much, and you know there were levels to my transformation and my metamorphosis. That was another big one because I actually, uh, when I integrated it, I you know went through this roller coaster of emotions, even you know, uh, over two, three days, you know, until the tears come really at the end, because I, I suddenly realized that no matter what my life was or had been in the past, it, it, you know, it was actually worth something. And that was another big spur of growth for me. Yeah. It has to be said. Your new book, uh, and, and by the way, we should mention your your, your, your book, uh, the, the film will be based on the monkey puzzle tree. People can find that wherever they buy great books. Your new one, Injustice, Love, and Honor. Uh, the story of, of three individuals, a riveting story of treachery, sacrifice, and redemption. This involves the murder of a police officer. Can you tell us about it? It's an amazing story. It's a very iconic uh, story, which still uh, remains the most awarded by the Queen. For, for the George George Cross. And it's a tale of three men from completely different backgrounds, you know, who are forged together by fate. And it's an amazing story. So it, it, it really goes behind that. And I had people who, who had the inside story on that to, to really flesh that out. It really has it all. Stephen, what would be your message uh, to somebody right now that's listening to this? They, they, they can they can connect with one part of your story, someone who, who's maybe seen life at its lowest, or maybe that's where they feel they are right now. Someone who, who feels like they could only dream of redemption, someone who may aspire to something, but they may not feel as though they're worthy or capable. What would you say to them directly? That's easy. And I always give this one. It's so condensed, but it's so true and it's so simple is um, always do the next right thing right, no matter how hard that may be. And if you do that, no matter where you are, what depth of hardship channels, uh, channels uh, or uh, adversity you're at, I promise you, you will end up somewhere. 
That's Stephen Gillen. Uh, what a remarkable story. You can read more about what he's doing and find access to his new book at stephengillen.com. My man, really appreciate you making time for us. The executive producer, author, and CEO of Roar Media Creative. It's great to see your face. Thank you, Ryan, and you too. You're doing wonderful work. I'll see you again. Thank you. You got it, my man. Thanks very much. That's a wild story. Yeah. <laughs> I love the stories of redemption. I, I like love could, the stories of... I feel like we could do a, a whole show with that gentleman right there. You know, like nine years old, 10 years old, this guy's, you know, I mean, you know, jailed 10 days after his 14th birthday. Uh, I mean, we're, if you're watching on YouTube, we're showing you a picture right now. That's, that, that's, that's him like right around that time in his mm-hmm. life. You know, we'd, we'd call him in Canada a young offender, so to speak. Uh, 28 of his 49 years, reads his bio, 28 of his 49 years spent committing crimes and, and uh, the latter half of his life to this point mm-hmm. uh, spent talking to people and, and reiterating. I think it's important for us to hear these stories that, that remind us that it is possible for people to, to achieve, to, to envision and then achieve the big turnarounds. Well, not just rehabilitation, but helping other people. Yeah. To come out of it, too, is great. Yeah, Huge. Uh, we've got a story of uh, inspiration coming up a little bit later on in the show. Every Tuesday, we present uh, in partnership with our amazing friends at Leading Edge Physiotherapy, The Leading Edge. And that's going to be coming up a little bit later on in the show. We also, coming up in, in, in just a moment. <laughs> what? I'm so excited about it. You can see the gleam in my eye. Yeah. The second John Hicks holiday movie review. Oh, really? Presented exclusively on Real Talk. You sound surprised. Are you ready to deliver? I'm ready. You ready to go? Uh, Shall shall we attribute some sponsorship to that, do you think? Let's do it. I think our friends at Apex Automation would be thrilled to sponsor the John Hicks Holiday Movie Review here on Real Talk. Why? Well, because they're giving people back their time. I don't want to try too hard to segue on this, John. But Apex Automation has made a name for themselves across the country, not just providing clients exactly what they need to inspire their own employees to improve their own corporate culture but apex is living that within their own team environment you can learn more about what we're talking about on their website so so how does it how what does it mean when we say they prioritize quality service for clients and culture over profit well things like investing in games rooms in their offices like a pool table i've played on it they, they, they have uh, there's no shortage of good times, fun times, down times at Apex. They invest in professional development for their team. Individual offices when folks ask for it, as opposed to the trend toward open workspace and uh, a pretty fantastic Christmas party as well. I know because I host it. <laughs> Apex Automation is all about recognizing the people that make business successful. If we're speaking directly to you as a professional engineer, you can check out the careers link at apexautomation.ca today. Mm -hmm. A big shout out to our friends at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. We mentioned yesterday the Dairy Queen and Baseline Road, the Baseline Road, Sherwood Park, Dairy Queen celebrating 25 years that family owned business over the weekend by crushing, selling out of more than 200 Oreo Blizzard cakes. John, they gave away blizzards for a year to everybody that came in that day and picked up a blizzard cake, which means that more than 200 people earned blizzards for a year. That's a lot of blizzards. That's a lot of blizzards, like baby. a blizzard a week, a blizzard a month? What's yeah, the, it's a what's blizzard a week. It's oh a blizzard a week for an entire year. I mean, is there anything better than that? I don't know. That's on the short list. You can visit our friends at the Dairy Queens on Baseline Road in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, and Westmount. Uh, I recommend the Flamethrower Signature Stack Burger. If you're going to be 
looking for something to sink your teeth into this week, you make sure you let them know at those Dairy Queens that Real Talk sent you. And of course, it's a perfect time of year as well, though it may not feel like it with the snow flying and the temperatures dropping. It's a great time to check in with Mike and his team at Eden Landscaping. Why? Because if they're going to bring your outdoor space to life this spring in time for your big celebrations next summer, the planning's got to start now. They're a custom landscape builder, more than 20 years of on-the-ground experience in Edmonton and area, different designs, different approaches, water features, outdoor kitchens, excavation, irrigation, planting, removal, lighting, you name it, they're the pros. And the full project management that comes with Eden Landscaping means you don't have to worry about hiring an architect, then hiring a contractor, then bringing in somebody to clean up all the mess that the original crews made. They don't leave until you're completely satisfied and their customer referrals and their return business proves it. You can find Eden Landscaping online today at landscapeedmonton.ca. Beautiful. Big shout out to the Real Talk Live Studio Band. They're, they're just so shy. We never put yeah. them on camera, but they do an amazing <laughs> job for us morning they're in after the back. morning. They get paid well. I want to say congratulations to you. It's season three. This is season three, episode two of season three. We didn't really we say. We didn't announce it. We didn't announce it. Yeah. Uh, we did. Uh, we, we, we posted a tweet about it, and we appreciate everybody that shared some love our way. But uh, you're right. On November 23rd of mm-hmm. this year, uh, we observed Real Talk's second birthday. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so episode two of season three. Way to go. Big shout out to everybody that subscribes uh, on the podcast platforms and, of course, on, on uh, YouTube as well. And it means a lot to us when you, when you rate and review the show. That's a big deal. The way that these algorithms work, the more reviews that we have, mm-hmm. the more, the more, and we love the five-star ratings, the more five-star <laughs> ratings, the, the more that we ensure that this show and, and its important conversations are, are blasted out to the general public. It's still easier than radio, though, with those, they're still using those PPM meters. Well, nobody can, that doesn't even that make doesn't sense. Even, no. doesn't nobody, let, 400 let, people in the city yeah, telling like everyone it's like It's like talking about, it's to. like when you're happily married talking about your ex, it's like, <laughs> there's no reason to do it. You know, oh, yeah, congrats. Well, yeah, yeah. We made it. <laughs> we made it. We made it. So you and your 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 beautiful partner, your lovely wife, this weekend, as I understand Tinder, it, yes. settled in to watch another holiday flick. We had just settled down for a long, for a long winter's nap. When all of a sudden we turned on the Netflix and what did no, I was hoping you could make the rhyme happen through the through the entire movie review. But you've promised to give us you've promised to give us one holiday uh, movie review and good or bad. Yeah, it's not week. necessarily an endorsement, mm-hmm. but you're going to give us one a week and it falls on today. So what are we looking at today? I uh, am going to talk about a big one that probably people are watching a lot. And uh, it's called Spirited. Will Ferrell, Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. Come on, look at this team. And of course, when you think of Will Ferrell, you automatically think of the holidays because like Elf. Right. Yeah. Um, But this one is just here's the thing. I'm not a musical guy like like just warning. It is a musical like they do do stuff like this tap dancing. Okay. And all sorts of stuff. But it's a reimagining of uh, the classic Christmas Carol story. I won't give away what it is, but there's a big kind of surprise as to Will Ferrell's character. Uh, but right there. Uh, Ooh, very intriguing. You already know he's the ghost of Christmas present in the movie. But there's a there's a twist at the end. But one of the biggest things that me and Jatinder noticed while watching this is that, Ryan, you have a cameo in this movie. What do you mean? 
You're in this movie, right? <laughs> what are you talking about? Like a doppelganger? I want to play a crude video because I don't want us to get flagged. Yeah, we don't want to get flagged for copyright violations. No, so it's got crappy audio and it's... it's sure, is this something you shot on your phone? It's me taping my TV. Okay, but per- brilliant. To, Genius movie. I want you to pay attention to the left side of the screen. Okay. Second person in on the front row. Okay. This is a dance routine from the opening number of Spirited. It's called That Christmas Morning Feeling. Okay. If I start dancing, I'm gonna shut it down, man. Everybody gonna look bad. And there you are. It's that is. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Come on, that's a dead-on doppelganger. In the I'll take front. it. I'll take it. <laughs> I like it. Wow, you're not joking about this. Uh... It is a full-on musical. Full-on music, like the entire thing. No, it's on and off. <laughs> You can tell they're already probably going to make it into a Broadway thing. It's written by the same two gentlemen who did uh, The Greatest Showman. Ah. Yeah. So very well put together. Two guys who were, uh, you know, in plays themselves, did off-Broadway shows, then said, hey, let's just start doing our own. So one of them's a composer, Justin, and the other guy, I think it's Adam, is a writer. I'm probably getting this wrong now. I should have done more. Uh, how's the uh, How's the Will Ferrell Ryan Reynolds dynamic? Is Is it safe to say probably two of the biggest stars in Hollywood and two of probably the most likable celebrities right now? It's absolutely incredible. Amazing. I mean, because they they're both so witty and quick and funny, and then they're together, and it's like you know, uh, Ryan Reynolds not giving too much away. He plays kind of this. Uh, you know, kind of jerk kind of guy. Okay. And Will Ferrell's like the soft spoken. But then there's a twist at the end that's like, oh, he's not soft spoken. He became that way because of. Right. Anyways, it's a great flick. And I encourage people to check out the uh, the final dance number two where Ryan Jesperson does. Okay. I think it's a backflip. You do a backflip. Oh, really? That's weird. I don't remember that. <laughs> Actually, I've always been a, as, as a kid. I was never like there's always the kids that will do the backflips and front flips on the trampolines and things like that. I've always been, I've always been afraid to go upside down. <laughs> a lot uh, of people commenting they're saving movies like this for Christmas Eve. My wife does that, too. She's like her big one is the Muppets Christmas Carol. Uh, yeah. Christmas Vacation. Like we can't watch any of that stuff until the holidays are actually here but we've been watching kind of all the cheesy stuff stuff like this yeah the hallmark stuff have you delved into any of that i'll with tell the kids? you like when do you start not, doing that well with i mean wyatt our, our seven-year-old he would watch like he he wants to watch christmas chronicles in july <laughs> so he like he loves that movie he wow. loves the yeah, he loves getting in this spirit so he's big into that so we try to sort of i mean you know try to find the balance between yeah you can you, can, you know you can, he gets a certain amount of screen time you can invest it however you like mm. i don't know if invest is the right word you can spend it however you like uh but uh with regards to my own personal diving in i would say that our uh our our travels uh, our road trip over the weekend our return home over the weekend uh i teed up some christmas tunes ah and that was uh that was kind of big getting into the you know i I was listening to a little john legend Mm -hmm. i was listening to some jack soul christmas like some really good stuff i love that you know who i hadn't listened to for a while Somebody dropped her name, and I went, gosh, I haven't listened to her in a while, and, and teed up Whitney Houston, her Christmas album. It's, it's really good. Oh, like, <laughs> people forget you, you about kind of forget what an absolute legend she is the pipes. On, on vocals. No like, auto-tune. Just, uh, yeah. just like, unbelievable mm-hmm. Whitney Houston. So that's that would be my, uh, I don't think we need to have too many feature segments on the show through December. We're not going to get into like Jespo's <laughs> holiday music recommendation. We'll, we'll but stick with in your In regards film. to the holidays, but the do Whitney you get them Houston, going in, in, Oh yeah. Like in we're, December or 
yeah, are things already happening around the house? Are yeah, the decorations I mean, up. Well, to be honest with you, like like um, the, the house is not yet decorated to the degree that the Real Talk Studio is. This looks beautiful, right? But but I I would say like putting up these trees and, and putting out the the silver bells and and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I had I had some. Uh, I, I, this is turning into a big music crack. I was going to say I had the Michael Bublé plan. Who sings like on the on the on the male side? Like who sings like Harry Connick Jr.? Nobody. Nobody. Uh, he's top five for me with regards mm-hmm. to vocalists like Frank Sinatra, Harry Connick Jr., Dean Michael Martin. Bublé, you think Dean all Martin. those guys when you think about uh, this? Yeah. Who else? I don't know. Like that's that's the list that I can definitely mm-hmm. John Legend like right up there as well. But yeah. So so that kind of put me in the spirit a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. Excited to 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 unveil the the, the holiday they look here in, in the real talk studio so yeah i guess and, and also we rec- acknowledge that holidays are kind of painful for a lot of people and, right and, now they are i know? think we all need to be extra special to each other this holiday season no matter what yeah. holiday you're celebrating or even if you're just celebrating the end of a good year like not a good year but like you know what i mean like we need to all I give each other a little extra this year because a lot of families yeah. are doing so well covid the the aftershocks from that still going on for everybody. So I was talking to a buddy yesterday, met for a glass of wine, and and uh, he, uh, I, I, it hadn't been on my radar that the uh, the two year anniversary of his mom's passing. It was a relatively sudden passing. What had had uh, come and gone, and I I asked him how he was holding up, how he was doing, and he he reminded me about that anniversary and. He was just talking. I don't want to betray his uh, his trust and, and say too much. Uh, he wasn't necessarily talking to me for purposes of broadcasting his story to thousands. But uh, you know, he just said like the, the mourning process for them. Number one, when it's a when it's a, a quick and, and relatively unexpected passing, mm-hmm. um, that adds such a, a challenging uh, layer to the mourning process. And then he said, just with COVID, like he's he's an entrepreneur. He'd been working to keep his business afloat. His business keeps other businesses afloat. And so he had felt that kind of pressure and, and just really, he told me yesterday, didn't feel like he had properly reconciled his mom's passing and mm-hmm. how deeply it had impacted him until recently. And, and you, you know, you think about, I thought that it was such a, we, we stood up from the table. I just gave him a big hug. Um, you know, like these reminders are so important through the holiday season. There's, there's so much happiness it's and really joy hard. for a lot of people. And for a lot of people, it's yeah. like, they just want it to be over. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, I think that that's so important to remember. We, we, we feel like we're not out of COVID. We know that uh, obviously our, our healthcare workers, uh, and frontline staff, our educators will remind us of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, it's like we're starting, I think, starting to recognize some of the longer term impacts of what what COVID will be. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and how people will be impacted um, in some circumstances for the rest of their lives. Yeah. The holidays for a lot of people are kind of like a therapy almost like for my wife. You know, she lost her mom. Yeah. Six, seven years ago. And the holidays obviously hard for her leading up to it christmas eve christmas morning even Mm. new year's but she gets a lot out in that time and then you know starts the year fresh because you know she cries she lets it all out we have all those memories we look at all the photos we hang those ornaments on the tree that were her mother's and so it's a good time to remember that even if it hurts and kind of work through it yeah beautifully said my Mm -hmm. man uh, Lauren says Christmas is difficult for me, but I love decorations and lights. Hmm. Yeah, no kidding. Lauren, much love to you and to everybody else who who feels like maybe this conversation is is hitting them right in the feels, as we say. I also wanted to give a shout out. I was trying to track this down quickly. If 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 you're 
regularly listen or tune into the show, you know the name Dr. Bradley Martin. He's uh, just a, an incredible uh, audience member. We feel like he's family. He's a family doc. He's been on the show a couple of times out of the, the beautiful uh, community of Hinton uh, at the doorstep to Jasper National Park. Uh, and uh, Brad was was listening to the show yesterday He uh, when, when Charles Adler and I were talking. Kind of an impromptu. Chuck, the promise that we make to people is when Charles joins us on the show, we, we have general direction for those conversations but we also just mm-hmm. want to let it flow it's like a hangout uh with a guy who's who's basically provided canadian common sense for the better part of 50 years mm-hmm. and and charles kind of took an interesting uh, direction yesterday talking about my dad and talking about healthcare workers and physicians and nurses and and everybody and, and the, the strain that they've felt and the stress and the piling on that some of them have experienced if you missed it you can download yesterday's show wherever you find it on youtube or podcast and, and dr martin uh, tweeted at us i wanted to read this he said thank you for the kind words about healthcare workers he says i regret i wasn't tuned in live he said you briefly touched on dark humor and uh, dr martin says it's a necessity in this line of work watching people die or lose a loved one on a regular basis takes its toll and he said a lot of people just don't get it and yet i get shit for being like 30 minutes behind schedule sometimes and it boggles my mind the entitlement that some patients have which was made worse by the pandemic he says, thank you for your kind words, and, and thanks to Charles Adler as well. says, it's nice to know that all three of you, uh, men I look up to, feel the way you do. Much love to you all. Well, pal, we look up to you as well, and we're grateful Jeez. for all the healthcare. You know what I mean? Like a, a tweet like that makes a month worthwhile. Right? Guy always makes me raise doing. my chin a little whenever Bradley speaks to Heck me. Yes. Yeah. Heck yeah. Thank you for saying that. But, uh, you know, he talks about, <laughs> like, if, if he's running 30 minutes behind, and, and I've seen it, like, back in the day, my I did a little bit of, like, book, bookkeeping work and filing and stuff for really? my dad. Yeah, so I'd be, I'd be like, behind the, the plexiglass buried in the corner, right? He'd have his nurses and, and office administrators, my mom, the office manager, right up at the front. <laughs> um, but he'd be seeing patients, and you'd have, like, I guess at the time, three waiting rooms, and, and then you'd have patients in, in, in the waiting room and, and, and the exam rooms and, and you know there's a lot of people in there and, and every person when you go to see the doctor you expect to have your your concerns addressed mm-hmm. and and think of the pressure that's on physicians that you know I mean like rushing an exam or, or missing something missing a tiny detail uh, could could lead to a misdiagnosis which could have dire consequences obviously um, and, and so you know someone comes in to see the doctor and they go well, and then there's also this and then there's also this and you see the notes up at the front of doctor's offices they say you know please book an appointment you know one appointment per complaint or one appointment per issue yeah. one appointment per concern my in other words we can't a- touch on like 10 things no. right my wife has an appointment literally on Thursday and they said just one yeah. topic because and she has two things and she's like i have to choose yeah, yeah you gotta so. choose i mean she can probably find a way to kind of like get them both in there but is it better because they spend more time on that one topic or is it worse because you have something else you want to talk about and that may be missed and then you don't get an appointment for another month and right? you hear like, a lot of people that, that will have complaints i mean you look at these you know the online whatever it's uh, not webmd but like people like rate the doctors and stuff online you look at a lot of people it's like I felt like my, you know, my physician wasn't listening to me. She didn't hear my concerns. They, they, you know, he, he brushed over my, my complaint about this. Mm-hmm. And then you try to think as well of the people that are like, well, I had to wait 45 minutes after my appointment because the doctor, it's like a ton of people, you know? So, you know, Dr. Martin, we, we, we feel your pain and, and uh, your, um, your message of encouragement and support just meant the world to us. And we just wanted to recognize that today. It, it feels like a perfect time <laughs> to transition to this weekly feature every Tuesday. Our friends at Leading Edge Physiotherapy shine a light on others 
in the community. You know, it's something that matters dearly to them at Leading Edge Physiotherapy. Technology, innovation, local businesses, individuals that are making a difference in the world around them. We call it the Leading Edge. And in the spotlight this week, this is an AI development. This is a tech development that is absolutely transforming diagnosis on healthcare. Heart sonograms can help diagnose conditions like rheumatic heart disease. You know that kills more than a million and a half people annually, but a lot of poor or developing countries lack ultrasound machines and the technicians that are trained to use them. And so Caption AI, Caption Artificial Intelligence, their machine learning software is helping here. The software envisioned to work with a new generation of handheld ultrasound devices guides text through the small adjustments that are needed to capture a view of the heart that a doctor can then examine for potential problems. It could be a doctor working remotely uh, from thousands of kilometers away. Uh, says their co-founder at Caption Health, you know, you can't send every single person to a cardiologist every year, but you can go to a regular checkup with your primary care physician. And with these technologies, they can screen you much better than was possible before. So with their technology, any healthcare professional can capture diagnostic quality ultrasound images thanks to artificial intelligence. It guides them through every step of the scanning and image capture process in real time. This is amazing. The software also automatically assesses image quality and it calculates what they call ejection fraction, which is a key measure of heart health. So it's allowing healthcare professionals to detect disease earlier before an undiagnosed issue becomes serious. They're breaking the mold with ultrasound as their tool of when and how imaging is used to reveal better outcomes for all. It's been named one of Time Magazine's top 100 inventions. Fast Company called it one of the next big things in tech. You can learn more online by checking out Caption. AI. Because of their innovation, their accessibility, and way that they're transforming diagnosis, which will save lives, countless lives, we are placing Caption AI in the spotlight of this week's edition of The Leading Edge, presented by Leading Edge Physiotherapy. Life shouldn't hurt. See, I decided not to focus on an 11 or 12-year-old that was changing the game, John, so we didn't feel insufficient <laughs> today. I know that we had sort of felt like... Thanks for respecting my yeah, feelings yeah, I wanted, today. Uh, I thought we would Can go we with... one kid a month. <laughs> I thought we would go with something in this week's edition of The Leading Edge that was developed by adults and so okay. we can all yes <laughs> yeah there you there you go now this is of course a, a great uh time of year and when we talk about the holidays and we talk about finding those perfect gifts and and our friends at mcbain camera wanted to put one other thing on your radar but before we say goodbye today because their black friday deals are continuing and i know that a lot of you you're probably in the same boat as i am you're looking to find a gift for somebody that that seemingly has everything now we all know that creator in our lives, right? That person that's always putting those images out there or those videos, they're, they're telling stories by weaving memories together in a way that very few people can. The creator in your life, I guarantee, would love to be shooting on a brand new Canon EOS R10, okay? You can save $100 right now on this sleek, lightweight Canon EOS R10 featuring 15 frames per second continuous shooting. That's fantastic. It's got lightning fast autofocus for capturing fast moving subjects, whether it's your kids going wild on Christmas morning as they check out the tree, whether it's that bird, that one bird that you've been waiting to get a shot of in the tree just outside in your yard, or, or maybe it's the kids swim meet. Whatever it is, the Canon EOS R10 is up for the task 
and you can pick it up today for only $13.29.99 at McBain. You get a free Roots Messenger bag as well. Uh, you can find incredible deals on other Canon gear, including the EOS R5, the R6, the Rebel SL3, and much more. But what about the price drop? What happens if you get a better deal later? Well, McBain's got their 30-day price protection, and they're extending that all the way through to December 24th, Christmas Eve, so you can shop this holiday season with confidence. They've got six locations, so you can shop in person or you can shop in line right now at McBainCamera.com. McBain, create to inspire. Uh, John, we also know that a lot of people right now are going to be looking to upgrade their rides. This is the time of year where the holiday highways can be an absolute nightmare. I was telling you, it was like a parade of fire trucks and police cars on the QE2 highway over the weekend. Our friends at Sherwin St. Albert Dodge have Alberta's best selection of the Jeep brand. This is the brand that's been trusted, the most trusted SUV brand in North America since the 1940s. You can shop online, inventory pre-owned and new at SherwoodDodge.com StAlbertDodge.com as well. And don't forget as well, you can also get approved early online so when you're shopping, you already know what you're dealing with. It makes the process a whole lot easier. Big shout out to our friends at Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we are waiting on final confirmation, so I can't quite yet tell you who the national news celebrity is, who the big deal is that's going to be joining us on the show tomorrow. I don't want to curse it. I don't want to jinx it, so I'm not going to say her name. I'm just going to tell you that, well, I better not. I better not. But let me just say, we're going to talk to somebody who's got her finger on the pulse of federal politics and the storytelling she does is second to none. We'll see you then. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Executive producer, Josh Dunford. Technical producer, John Hicks. General manager, Katie Cook-Chivers. Account Coordinator, Lawrence Durlego. Human Resources, Lena Shepard. Website Design, Mike Johnston. VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandi Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.